Hello and welcome back to Reanimation Protocol episode 2. This is the podcast about returning to 40k and rediscovering your love of the game. With me are my co-hosts Andy. Hello. And Chris. Hello. So this week is a bit of a special episode for us because we've had a weekend of playing 40k together. Um, Chris very kindly arranged a mini tournament at Warhammer World and me and Chris played and Andy came along to watch. So uh, let's start with Andy. What did you think of the tournament? Um, To be honest, it was fun to just watch. Um, There was some good um, games going on. People were generally friendly. Nobody hit anybody. Um, Yeah, it was good. And it's a good setting. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely place to play. I'm so lucky. It's my local gaming venue. It's closer to me than any other gaming store, so I can just nip down whenever. Um, so I thought it'd be good to just sort of go through our games. So we'll, we'll go through each of our games um, each round. We do round one, etc. And Andy, if you want to chip in with any interesting stuff you saw since you weren't playing, that's could be interesting. Generally about how people play, that's what I noticed. Okay, so let's start with Chris. Um, Chris, what was your round one? Uh, so, or if I just go through my army first, people don't remember oh, yeah, okay. the first time. Uh, so I took uh, a Death Guard army. Um, did manage to get it all painted to a kind of low tabletop, so I'll go back and carry on from there. Um, Force-wise, so I took Typhus, a selection of characters, um, two big 10-man squads of... Uh, uh, Death Guard Marines, uh, some Pox Walkers, some Cultists, um, two Triple Laz Predators, and uh, to finish up a, a Leviathan, um, which made everybody cry, apparently, when they, they saw it on the table. Um, so first game, played up against another Death Guard army, very different style, so whereas mine was a bit on the elite side, uh, Mike, who I played against, his force was um, very much... Uh, pox walkers, so two big blocks of pox walkers, um, and various other bits of chaff uh, with some of the blo- uh, bloke drones as well in there. Um, yeah, and I lost. Hooray! <laughs> Just to get rid of that, people claiming that I'm a power gamer. It's definitely not true. I don't know the rules properly or anything like that. But um, it was a good game. Uh, it was very much a learning one. Only the second time I played with Death Guard. Um, but enjoyable. I think I could see where the army needs strengthening, and you can kind of see that as the game, the day went on with the different games. Um, but I kind of lost that match mainly because just couldn't put enough output out to um, take off things. All the three uh, tournament games that we played were all objective based, so there's a lot of um, on the objectives. And the two games that I lost, having lost the second one as well, um, it just came down to my numbers on the table versus the uh, numbers on the table the enemy had as well. Cool. So um, I took along Death Guard as well to make a change, um, but I had Mortarion with me, so I had Mortarion, some Death Shroud, Typhus, uh, 40 Poxwalkers, 15 Cultists, 10 Plague Marines, and a bunch of Solos. Oh, and a Play Burst Crawler tank, which I love. So my first game was against Joel with his Space Wolves. Um, he had a bunch of Razorbacks and a bunch of Space Marines with Laz Cannons. So I was absolutely terrified going into this. I thought he was just going to shoot Mortarion off the board, uh, which he could have done, except he opted to split his fire amongst all of my stuff. So um, I think he 
got first blood, I can't remember what it was he killed, but nothing of any real consequence. Whereas he completely ignored Mortarium, which is one thing you really don't want to do. So Mortarion got to his lines on full health and absolutely decimated him. He was killing two tanks a turn quite easily. And that's before the rest of my army did anything. So uh, Mortarion definitely won me that game. And yeah, the lesson for Joel there was don't split your fire. Focus on the biggest threat and the biggest threat is Mortarion. So, yeah, yeah, bring down the big guy. <laughs> yeah, that was my round one um andy you weren't there to watch round one were you or did you turn up halfway through it um turned up halfway through it caught your game against joel's wolves um which actually looked like quite a good game from your point of view <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um and then i wandered off because come on i was next door to forge world Fair and i enough. thought i'd um, wait to start watching uh, games once the second round had started Cool. From your game then, Doug, did you was that your first game with your Death Guard, or did you play more? No, I'd played a couple of local games um, against some pretty heavy-skewed GT lists, so really optimised stuff, um, which I'd lost. So this was my first my first win in 40k, and my first win with this list. And really? it was one of, Thank you. It was one of those games where, you know, you make a plan for a list, and everything you plan actually happens, so it works. Um, so that was that was I nice. I heard you complaining about the um, pops walkers. What about them? Take them again? No, no, no. I'm, de I'm definitely taking pops walkers. They're brilliant. Oh, you were just you were just complaining on the day then. They didn't do much. No, I was complaining about the cultists, which were. Um, oh, sorry, that was my misunderstanding. Yeah, no, I was going to talk about it at the end, but yeah, the cultists. I I put them in there because I had some points and. There's various things you can do with cultists, so you can let them get shot first to refuel your poxwalkers. You can use them as a screen with a cloud of flies stratagem, which means mm. that so like they can be in front of your juicy stuff, and then you can put cloud of flies on that stuff. So they have to shoot the cultists first, which then populate the poxwalkers even more. But with forty dudes on the table, just poxwalkers, I found having the cultists in front of them just made it really, I guess. I think that's something you have to practice quite a lot. Um, yeah. The positioning and the like. And I just ended up sticking them next to an objective and they either sat there and did nothing or they sat there and died, which was fairly pointless. Fair enough. So, I think yeah. that was a big part of it as well was that I kind of went into the game having played just one game with Death Guard and my previous six games since the edition came around was all with Knights. Um, because obviously the knights aren't really a, a proper army anymore in that kind of sense. They do need the support. It's a, you can tell it's a very different game. So the the knights are basically use the generic um, stratagems. Don't have to worry too much. Don't have to worry about the psychic phase. And then to go into a, an army that's a, a very special rule heavy. Um, I think a big part of my downfall again in the first two games really was just not knowing because I hadn't had time to read the codex properly, not knowing the full kind of rules for everything or what they can do. So I think the key takeaway really was the make sure you read the codex if you're going off to a tournament. It does help. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So what was your second game then, Chris? Uh, so I went up against that stupid Nidblade army that um, Ollie had <laughs> that we mentioned last week. Um, so it was Gene Steeler. Um... <laughs> By the way, there's the first of the coughs. 
as uh, Gene Steiger Cult with Tyranids and the Bane Blade as well, just to back it up. So, uh, and again, kind of a combination of forgetting some of the rules or just not being um, up to date with the rules and things like that kind of cost me. Um, so, Typhus and uh, the Death Shroud managed to teleport in and run up to the Bane Blade, start cutting it up, and then because I forgot some of the bits and pieces and some of their rules, didn't kill it. And I think, obviously, just a combination of trying to take out a, a Bane Blade uh, and some rules, kind of queries and things like that. But I'm just very much a case of, if I'm not sure, just, if they think it's right, rules-wise, let's just go with that, and we can always check it later, um, just because we're on the time limit for the day. So could have done better, but it was still yeah. an enjoyable game. And it's the first time I've played Gene Steelers so, and, um, with the, since the Gene Steeler cult rules came out in any edition. So it's a nice kind of... That's kind of learning thing. I think if I played that again, play it a bit differently, uh, and hopefully be a bit luckier on getting rid of the Bane Blade, which causes so much trouble, really. Well, you look like you were having fun, so that's all that counts. Yeah, yeah, it does help. The mm. um, for those that don't know, the way that Genius Dealers get access to a Bane Blade is that the Genius <laughs> Dealer cults. Um, can ally in a detachment of Imperial Guard and they can also ally in a detachment of Tyranids. So you can take minimum sort of small detachment of Gene Steeler Cults as your main detachment and then you can have just an army of Tyranids and a Baneblade if you so wish. <laughs> Which is, it, it certainly stands out. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to say it, it was horrendous, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Well, it, it it was, but I think Ollie had obviously not had practice with it. So it's one of those, I, I do like to see it occasionally, when people sort of get this really powerful list but haven't had the time to play it. And it really reinforces that it isn't down to a list. It's It, it does take practice to be good with a list as well as just buying the coolest models. Um, so, yeah, my second game was against Mr. Lammy uh, with his Dark Eldar. And when I saw who it was, I was absolutely terrified because there were two Dark Elder players. One of them had a load of raiders with Dark Lances, which are basically Dark Elder Las Cannons. Um, and re- uh, is it Reavered Ravagers with Dark Lances as well. So it's about 10, 12 Las Guns. Um, a lot of Las all pointing at Mortarion. And I was absolutely terrified. And it turned out Lammy wasn't the one with all of the Dark Lances. He had put um, a nicer sort of mix of disintegration cannons and blast guns on his raiders. He had the two, uh, no, three ravagers, I think, maybe even four. A lot of ravagers, so a lot of las cannons. But once again, he made the mistake of not focusing his fire on Mortarium. So he spread his force out across the entire table and shot at. He tried to go first blood against my plague marines, so his entire army shot my plague marines who lived thanks to some decent, uh, disgustingly resilient roles. And, yeah, he split his, split his fire up and split his army up. So, once again, Mortarion arrived in his lines at full health and proceeded to absolutely decimate his squishy flyers. Um, he managed to get a Void Raven bomber behind my lines, which a Demon Prince charged in midair and ripped apart. And <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty brutal. It Once... Once we got going, though, he and I killed a couple of his raiders. Um, a load of his cable-like warriors sort of spewed out and surrounded Mortarion. And actually, those guys very, came very close to killing him because the amount they, they've got rapid-fire poison weapons, so they always wound on four. So Mortarion's massive toughness is irrelevant. 
So the sheer volume of shots was eating through his free up save quite quickly. So yeah, it def- mm. definitely goes to show you don't need las cannons to kill giant things like that. A billion shots would do the same thing just as well. Possibly even averages. better. Yeah. So yeah, it was a great game and Lamy was a really good opponent, but once again I think definitely target prioritization, poor target prioritization from him was what won me that game. If he'd have killed Mortarian, it would have been a lot harder for me. Um, Andy, you managed to watch some games. Were there any sort of highlights that you saw? Um, yeah, the the game between Sam's White Scars and Finch's Thousand Sons was extremely entertaining to watch. Um, number one, Sam took a lot of bikes, as he's only right and proper with White Scars. And he, for some reason, kept on avoiding the um, Thousand Sons uh, Rubric Marines. He was just leaving them alone because of the, is it warp fire throwers? Yeah. That they've got. But Sam got a win out of it. It was, it was, it was just a beautiful game to watch. It was constantly going back and forth. But it was Ariman pretty much in the last turn of the game, who decided he was going to get a bit of revenge by flying straight in and then getting perils of the warp and killing himself. <laughs> And that was the point. It was just like, yeah, that's possibly one of the most entertaining games I've ever actually watched. It was, <laughs> it was the sheer spite of killing himself that I like. <laughs> I, I do love those cinematic moments you get, and it's made even better when they're hilarious. <laughs> Sam, Sam, I've got to admit, I've never played a game against, and I really need to, because do you know how some opponents start to get aggressive and leery when they're losing? Mm. Sam Sam does it when he's winning. It's really weird. <laughs> he gets angry himself for winning. <laughs> but you just have to watch out. For, you have to watch out for him grappling you, though, just for an in joke <laughs> three people. So, what, Sam? Yeah, I'm sure if he listens to this, I'm sure he'll appreciate the uh, threat of him grappling people. Four foot nine of anger. So anyway. Um, <laughs> Third match, this is a three-round tournament. Uh, who was your third round against, Chris? Uh, so I went up against uh, Finchy again with his uh, Thousand Suns, really, really nicely painted Thousand Suns as well. So yeah, it was nice to see the two guys that I played previously just hadn't had time to finish their armies. Um, so to kind of take a painted army versus a painted army, first time I've done it a long, long time, um, to have that just because the local scene doesn't put a big emphasis on painted armies either. So everybody's in bits and pieces all over the place um, and I managed to pull out a win somehow um, so there's a couple of highlights in there that Hell Turkey got taken off that he had in his list um, Typhus cleaved Araman in two which is quite nice um, to see Typhus actually survive a battle since he's died every single time I've played with him up to this point um, and then yeah just everything kind of clicked really a little bit better but obviously it's a more of an elite army than mine was uh, and having a Leviathan there and uh, the two last Predators just gave us enough shots to start plinking away at stuff, really. Um, he just, uh, whiffed a couple of his rolls for his psychics as well that could have just torn us to pieces. Uh, so there was an element of getting lucky in there, but I think I kind of had saved up my luck dice rolling uh, from the previous two games to pull out that one, really. Um, up until round three, it probably could have gone either way, to be fair, but just kind of streaked ahead a little bit at the end, which was lucky for me. Yeah, the um, the elite armies at the moment are quite 
suffering quite badly, I think. They're sort of, it's a lot harder to play an elite army, especially with so many hordes at the moment. So, certainly Thousand Suns falls into that category. I would say Finch's his paint work was amazing, but his conversions, I love conversions, and his Hell Turkey, or Hell... What, what are they actually called? What's the real word? Uh, oh, my brain's gone completely now. Anyway... Oh. Yeah, yeah, those ones. Me. Everyone knows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll he'd, check while we're talking. He'd converted it with a, I think it was an Age of Sigmar griffin, so it had feathers and it was a bird with the, the armoured body of the hell, whatever it is, the hell turkey. Um, and it looked absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it was so well done. And I I think things like that just add so much to an army. It, may, it really inspired me to want to go away and do conversions on my own, my next painting project. Um, it so, really was. Plus, it was beautifully painted as well. Yeah, definitely. The, it's it's called the Hell Drake. There we go. That's the popular Hell Drake. Fair enough. Cool. So my final game was I was undefeated at this point. Hurrah! Um, which is very rare. And I went up against. Sadly, I I knew it was coming. My arch nemesis, Mister Patrick Vance. Um, <laughs> Pat basically taught me how to play war games back when I got into it. Um, he's a very, very good player at every game he plays. He's um, He was a long-term competitive War Machine player, so played for England in the WTC. He was, at one point, number one in the world at Guild Ball. Um, you know, he's, he's a very good player. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he'd bought an Ultramarines list with Gilliman, uh, a Repulsor tank, the Big Dread, um, all the sort of standard. It was Primaris, mainly Primaris. In fact, all Primaris, apart from the Tech Marine that I'd painted for him the day before. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'd, uh, Pat always throws me. I, it's one of those things, when I sit down and play against him, I, he knows we've had this game so many times in different systems. Whenever I do well in a tournament, I always end up facing Pat on the final table and I always lose. And I think it just gets in my head. He's a lovely guy and he's a really good player. And we, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing and knows all the rules. But yeah, it just gets in my head uh, because I know what's coming. And he absolutely decimated me. Unlike my previous two opponents, his target prioritisation was perfect. And he just put everything into killing Mortarium. Um, there was... What are the guys with the million bolt shots? The aggressors? Yeah, that's the yep. one. Yeah, so he had a unit of those next to Gilliman. And Gilliman is the thing that really makes that army sing. Because uh, when you're re-rolling absolutely everything, you're, the numbers just skew crazy. And, yeah, just absolutely murdered Mortarion. And then it was just a case of picking apart the rest of my army. It, it, it's an army that falls apart when Mortarion dies. So it, it wasn't that I lost against <clears throat> a stronger army. It was that Pat just played it perfectly. So... A deserved win for Patra, and I went two and zero, which I was very happy with. I, I as I said, is my first two games of Warhammer Forty K, but I never won, so I'm very happy with that. Fair. If only Mortarian could hide behind a marine. Yes. <laughs> like Gilliman well, can. <laughs> yeah, he crouches down, but he's still gonna get him. He, he can hide behind his death shroud, so you just need some more death shroud in the army, Doug. Just take like Mortarian and two units of nine. <laughs> that would be my whole army list and the trouble is with the Death Shroud is that's fine until Mortarian moves 12 inches and they move 5 and suddenly he's miles away and they can't take his shots anyway. uh, you just 
put your first squad of six there and then move them forward. Mortarian stays behind or stays within distance and then just deep strike your next unit in when they're starting to get a bit low and then next turn you deep strike the last six in as they're getting a bit low as well. And they go and keep plinking away and hiding. Okay, and I'm sure that's... I'm not going to take this advice as terrible advice. If you're listening at home, don't do that. Uh, one thing you can do, though, which people do with like more competitive Mortarian lists, is put in a detachment of Chaos Space Marines with a Sorcerer of some kind, um, Magnus, or, or just a normal Chaos Sorcerer, um, because they have access to warp time, which means that Magnus can move 24 inches. Not Magnus, sorry, Mortarian can move 24 inches and then charge which pretty much guarantees you to get him into enemy lines. But personally, especially in a free detachment uh, tournament, I I don't really fancy giving up one of my lovely detachments to some models that I don't really want to take. So I think I'll just suck it up and see if he dies. Andy, what did you uh, look at in the third round? Um, your game against Pat. Um... And I think that was about it, really. I was I was sort of switching between the two. Was um, was it the Raven Guard versus the Grey Knights in the third round, or was that second round? Oh, it's third, yeah. Yeah, I was watching a bit of that. That that looked like a good game. Uh, again, two beautifully painted armies. Um, just Marines going at it. Um, yeah. Lots of banter back and forth. It seemed like they had fun. And to me, that is all that counts. Like, every time. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so much more fun when you're you're enjoying losing or just enjoying playing the game. It it is what I've I've really come to love about coming back to forty k compared to some of the more competitive games out there. You can have a lot more fun, a lot easier. I so, will be hundred percent honest. I was there to catch up with mates, and forty k was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And you did both of those things. It was good. I did indeed, but I am entering the next tournament. Good. Um, yeah, I'm planning on running one in first weekend of February, I think. So yep. we'll let you know all about that when we get close and when I need to... I've been in touch with Warhammer World to see if they've got tables, but they tend to sort of limit when they open things up. So hopefully that will happen unless there's something else happening that day, in which case we'll rearrange it. But yeah, so we'll keep you up to date with that one. So any sort of learning points that you've had um, from the tournament, Chris. Any changes to your army that you're going to make? Um, having seen um, one of the big um, like, uh, sorry, plague crawlers for a thing in action, so uh, Mike could take one of those. I'm thinking whether to drop the two um, predators and put a pair of those in possibly. Um, I'll probably make my marine squad smaller as well, just give us a bit more special weapons in there which make a difference um, I think the Death Shroud I'd probably take out of the list um, and swap some of those bits around as well and then probably more Poxwalkers so I only took 13 with a well these are points left over and they're painted so they can go in um, so swapping those out or sorry swapping up to two 20 man squads and keep Typhus on the table to go with them to make them a much more uh, a bigger threat to the opponent's and then see from there. So it will become a bit more of a standard Death Guard army, I think, at that point. Yeah. I'm Personally, I'm planning on... Well, I've already done it, because I've got the GT coming up, GT Heat 2, in December. So I'm dropping the cultists out, because I just wasn't very impressed with them. And I, I'd filled up with a load of 
um, elite solo characters. So I had a tallyman, a plague doctor, and a biologist putrefier. And I, I completely forgot about what their special rules. So that, the two of them were meant there to make the play uh, poxwalkers more efficient. So giving rerolls on their disgustingly resilient and rerolls on their to hit. And I didn't use either of those rules a single time. And yeah, I, I had I, the same thing. I, I know what I'm like. I'm not going to remember that most of the time. So I've taken some of those out with the cultists and I've put in a bloat drone. I've reduced my Plague Marines down to a minimum size unit or seven man unit. And I've put in a, uh, what are they called? The Chaos Dreads. Hellbrute. The Hellbrute, yes. Yep. With a uh, twin LAS cannon and a missile pod. So I've got a bit more long range shooting. I've got a bit more resilient, fast moving. So that's my list for the GT and I will be sticking to it and frantically painting it. Because the new things I've added aren't painted yet. So, getting rid of your cultists then? Well, I'll keep them, but I'm not using them in the... In no, you'll never use them. You'll never, ever use them ever again. Tell them to me. Uh, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, they can go with my death guard, all right? I, I must admit, one thing that I have found after the tournament is, because I've painted everything up, um, I'm now thinking, no, I can finish painting my death guard, and I will do. But I've got a list that I can play. I'm starting to get itchy feet and moving on to another army. Um, and I think that's that's quite a common thing for me, especially when you I sort of rush to get everything ready for a tournament and you paint up a specific list. And once I've got that done, I kind of want to paint something else. Does anyone else feel like that? Uh, no? Yeah, I, I'm kind of having a bit of a break from painting green. It's probably going to be a couple of weeks worth of having a break. Obviously, we've got some to talk about in a bit, but... Um, there's still plenty of stuff, as I said, it's a, a low tabletop standard of, you, there's a couple that have done a bit higher quality from where I was doing test cut schemes and things like that, so they'll be in front of an army list or in the cabinet when they go in tomorrow. Um, but I want to go back and start raising the, the quality of them, but I need to go and paint a different colour for a little bit rather than a, a sickly green colour for a couple of weeks, I think. Can I love the fact you class them as a low tabletop quality. <laughs> Yeah, they are. They're, they're not done properly. There's a, as I say, there's a couple in there that are done a bit higher quality, but... Um, I thought they looked great. Thank you very much. Um, but they're not. <laughs> it's just... Fair learn enough. to use I your watches. my compliment. <laughs> so, on to our second subject of the night, which is something Chris suggested. Um, and we all jumped on board, really. Chris, tell us about it. Um, well, it's kind of going off the back of what we were talking about then, of that needing a bit of a break. So, uh, one of my favourite things for White Dwarf over the years was uh, that tale of many gamers, and I've always kind of wanted to do it, never really done it properly before, and since we're kind of a collective team uh, for the podcast now, I thought, well, do you know what? Let's just suggest it to everybody and maybe give that a go. So, we are. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, to explain to people who don't know what it is, what tale of X gamers is. So it was something that they did in White Dwarf a long, long time ago. I think it's been done three or four times since then, where you have your initial budget for the month, and then every month you just spend a little bit, and you just build up the army over the course of six months or so. Um, so kind of the old days, it was 50 quid in the first month, and it was 25 quid a month from there. But obviously, inflation and prices have gone up since then, so 
we raised the total a little bit for this version. Um, so we're going to go with, well, I'm personally, whether you guys stick to it or not, I don't know, we'll see, but um, 65 quid in the first month and then 35 quid a month, which is kind of within pocket money range. Um, and it'll hopefully allows, allow us to build a, a decent-ish army um, because we don't work for White Dwarf or Games Workshop. Though we've got access to things like uh, other companies that do discounts or trading groups on Facebook, things like that. So it would be a good way to catalogue what we've got and where we go from there, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been reading about it in White Dwarf as well, and I always enjoy those articles. So when Chris suggested it, I was like, yeah, that's that's brilliant. And it, it scratches my itch to do some different kind of painting. So what army have you picked, Andy? Necrons. Yay! Is that so? Um, so that our our podcast title can actually be relevant to one of us. Let's say yes. Okay. Um, a friend was selling off his collection that he'd bought and never even took most of it off the sprue. So I bought it off him. Um, I've played against Necrons back in fourth edition. Um, I've never really read the fluff or anything like that, so I had to read an older codex last night just to go through and find out what the actual models are that I've just bought. <laughs> um, looks quite interesting, and it's going to be a break from blue and gold. Good. And what colours are you painting it? I'm going for the very Egyptian-looking ones of turquoise and gold. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> do you only own three colours? Is that the problem? <laughs> Um, no, but I'm starting to think I wasted a lot of money on all the other colours that I did buy. <laughs> um, I don't know, it's just, at first I thought I could do, you know, the classic looking Necrons with the black and the silver and the greens, or do some of those newer looking ones with, you know, the reds and whatnot. Mm. Uh, I always loved the look of the old um, Tomb Kings, and, but I never really played fantasy that much, I was always tempted to buy some just to paint up, and then they discontinued them. So I can probably scratch that itch now with these. Cool, excellent. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, so after some deliberation, and uh, I ended up going Necrons as well, <laughs> which is obviously brilliant. So with that, I, I, you've stolen my line. I've definitely fed into the name for the podcast. So um, I think ah, it's a very ah. diff, a different style of army again to what Andy's planning to do. So uh, I'll probably do mine. Um, much darker, much more rusted. Um, I've done an army like that before as a commission for somebody and quite liked the way it was done. Um, so again, it's a way of having different colours to the um, the Death Guard, paint something else, but not paint loads every month. So I can still focus on the Death Guard, but um, doing a little bit here and there should get uh, me up to quota for making sure I've done everything every month. Cool. Um, personally, I... I've been looking for a new painting project anyway, so this came along at a perfect time. But I decided, it's a bit of a side ramble here, but um, they announced recently that the um, Horus Heresy rule set was being re-released. And they've said exactly what it is, and it's 7th edition with some FAQs rolled into it in the rulebook. And yeah. much, much as I absolutely adore the Horus Heresy fluff and the models are beautiful... I've got no inclination to want to play 7th Ed again. So I decided it was time for my fully painted, really nice Imperial Fists army to go. I don't really want to use my Heresy models for 40k. I know you can do that, there's nothing wrong with that, but I just didn't really want to. You know, they're a Heresy list and they should stay that way. 
So I managed to sell them off today, which is brilliant, um, to fund my <laughs> this project. And I was looking at, because as I said, I think last episode, I, I've got my competitive list now, my Death Guard. I've got my Dark Elder, which I'm keeping aside for when their codex eventually comes out. And I just want something I can get on and do some cool paintwork with. So I was looking at Necrons, and then I, I spoke to you two, and you said, oh, you might be doing that as well. So I've decided, I think, and I reserve the right to change my mind still, I've decided to go with Tau. Um, Tau aren't something I have ever particularly wanted to play. I, I never really liked the Gundam look. It just never appealed to me. But I was looking at some of the models today after having ruled out some of the other factions. And they're really quite beautiful. Um, if you look at Pinfest and search for you know, decent Tau alternative paint schemes, there's some really, really good stuff you can do. So I think that's going to be my project. Um, I'm going to start with probably a start collecting box and a commander, which seems to be the way to go, and try and work out a paint scheme. I, I'm very tempted to be a masochist and paint white. I, I, I've said done it before and I said I'll never do it again, but <laughs> it, do, it does look really good. So that what colour are you going to use to contrast the white? Red. I, I've seen some really nice red clothes, and I'm, I'm trying to work out if I should put LEDs in them because I've done that before for my Sylvan F army for Age of Sigma. Uh, all of the big monsters have got glowing eyes that flicker. Um, oh yeah, I remember them. Yeah, but so putting LEDs and stuff is quite easy, and I I, I quite enjoy doing it. It's whether it's told so this is meant to be my painting project and putting LEDs in to do the lighting effects is a bit of a cheat. So I, I still haven't quite decided. So I think I need to get a model and have a, have a crack at it and test out some paint schemes. So I haven't quite decided on my paint scheme yet, but that, that's a rough thing. And I'm thinking, because it's quite sort of large, flat areas, in order to break that up a bit, I might try doing some freehand filigree on it, um, which, which could look quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's a plan anyway. I, I, I've got no idea what tower like on the tabletop. I had a brief look read up today and apparently they're, they're okay. You need to play a certain list, but I just want to buy the cool robots to paint. So that, that's my that's my plan. Um, are, you, are you both... I mean, Andy, obviously you've got your Necrons in a pile already. Is there any? Are you starting with a start collecting type theme or are you just going to pick the cool models? Um, well, to be honest, I mean, there's already some cool models in there. There's like the um, the Ghost Ark and that, which I've still not decided if I'm going to do it as the Ghost Ark or the, the other version, which I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Chris can probably help the, there. The Annihilation Barge. That's the one. I'll go with that. It sounds cool. Um, <laughs> I'm probably going to go for Swarms of Warriors. Yeah. And Flayed ones, if I can find them cheap enough, because... Five for twenty-five pounds, is it? Yeah, yeah, maybe not. I'll probably just go warriors. Lots and lots of warriors. Fair enough. I are want you... an undead, undead force just coming towards you. If you get me meaning. Are you sticking with the green rods, or are you gonna put something else in, or paint them? I don't know, I don't know because I was thinking about that. The green rods look great, but there are so many other ones that you can buy, or even just get the rods yourself and cut down the size. Um, it's when you start getting into the realms of trying to recreate it for things like the monolith. Yeah. Because um, if you, let's be fair, if you cock up 
the um, portal or the crystal on top, it's it can look really bad. Yeah, and that's why I think if I ever did Necrons, I'd be tempted to paint the rods because then you can do a consistent colour across any different sizes, and at least if you do it badly, your whole army will look bad rather than just one model. Yeah, exactly. I think what I'll do is I'll paint up one warrior um, without putting the rod in, obviously, and then just see how it looks with the green rod, and then just maybe do a test one, you know, paint it up just to have a look see. Cool. That way, then I'm not painting up an entire squad and then going, ah, oh, that looks rubbish. So, yeah, I'll do it that way. And Chris, did you say you were going to start with a start collecting books, or have you got a uh, No, I've gone with um, the commander badge um, for my leader, and I've gone with two squads of immortals to start off with. So, there's a couple of quid left over that will go towards next month. Um, and again, it's a very different style. I'm a bit more elite than what Andy's planning. Um, but my plan is to go for a horde of immortals, basically. So there's 30 immortals in the list, um, and some other bits and pieces. We'll see where we go from there. So it's it's playable in the first month for really really super small games, um, like sub 500 points probably. Um, but it's it's something there, and then I can go and keep adding to those and keep building and building and building from there. Nice. Cool. Um, is there anything you're sort of really looking forward to getting? I, I know for me, I'm, I think I'll have to get a Storm Surge for a giant, huge model, just uh, because it's it's a huge model. Um, one Again, going to friends and things like that, with that added advantage that we've got, one of my friends has got a pylon or two, I think, that he's going to get rid of, uh, and he's got some other bits and pieces as well. So if he has got two, we've come to an arrangement with Andy. Um, so he'll have one, I'll have the other, and oh, yeah, um, yeah. we can... We can blow your storm surge to pieces, basically, is the idea. <laughs> but we get yeah. to that stage. Ian. Yeah, I just have to try and do a more high ground of trying to paint better. And failing. Great, <laughs> so, um, your death guard looks absolutely gorgeous. For oh, death guard, obviously. Thank you. So, yeah, that's, um, that's probably going to keep us busy for the next couple of months anyway but is there anything else on people's horizons that they're sort of planning on doing looking forward to I mean I as I said earlier I've got the uh, GT at Warhammer World which is the Grand Tournament Heat 2 and I think they take the top 40 players from every heat and invite them along to a big final so my goal is to get in that top 40 I won't succeed in that goal but you got to have something to aim for um, oh yeah exactly and the other thing I'm looking at is Necromunda, which comes out probably a week from now, I think, uh, once this podcast goes out. Um, or at least goes up for pre-order. And Yeah, it goes up for pre-order on Saturday. Yeah. It's released I, on the 11th, I think it is. And I, I don't know how often I'll play the game, but those models are absolutely stunning. Um, so yeah, that's probably another theme to go in my painting pile. And sorry to ramble on, but speaking of painting files, I'm very excited. I put in an order uh, with Green Stuff World, which is a very exciting website in, based in Spain, for bits and bobs for my uh, Golden Demon entry, which I'm planning on doing. So I spoke about it, I think, on our z episode zero test episode. But yeah, after many, many years of looking at White Dwarf and going, ooh, wow, I wish I could do a Golden Demon entry, I'm going to bite a bullet and do it. Um, I don't expect to get a pin but it would be nice i'm going to put a lot of effort into it and build it from scratch 
So yeah, that's that'll probably take up some of my time once all the bits and bobs arrive. How about you guys? Building scenery. Um, I need more scenery. So I wanted to actually do a couple of um, themed uh, pieces. So for one, I've just ordered a mini plasma wall off of Amazon and turn it into a generator so I can have something that sparkles and lights up on the battlefield. Wow. Very special. Cheap as well. (laughs) (laughs) No, I saw something similar on Pinterest. uh, Pinterest, And it just looked like a gorgeous centrepiece. And I thought, yeah, I'm doing that. And also building some um, orc scenery for when one of my mates comes around with his orcs. So that way we can mix up the scenery a bit. Cool. How about you, Chris? Uh, so again, Necromander. Um, I've got a, a core dog gang that I, since we found out it was coming, um, I started kind of digging out some of my old stuff. So there's a, a 15 man gang's worth there um, that are all have all been stripped, ready for painting. Uh, so I'll plug along with those. I might pick up the Escherers separately because the Escher and uh, Goliaths come out on the same day as separate boxes as well. So you don't have to buy the full set. So oh, really? because I probably won't. Oh, yeah, yeah, they come out. Have you got day, a price so. on them? I think that's 25 quid, but I might be wrong. Might be a bit oh, more, so but it's in that range. Price Blood Bowl, then. Yeah, basically. Uh, nice. There are eight models again, so I would go for uh, maybe a box of those ratios, one of the gangs I used to have years and years ago before I kind of eBayed it when it became expensive. Um, and then this weekend, I've got some friends coming over, so probably a weekend of Shadespire, I think. Uh, I'll get some games of that in with the awesome. new... Um, uh, I've not played it yet, which is obviously every night it was spent painting. But um, the two new sets come out on the Saturday, so I'll go pick those up that I've ordered, and uh, we'll, we'll basically just play through the different four gangs and see which one I get the taste for, basically. Yeah, so, I, I managed to get in a couple of games uh, with Pat after our tournament, and we're both pretty tired, but we um, we had a go, and it's it's a very odd game. It's it's very very quick, so. A game will take 20 minutes. Um, so I think they've already announced that sort of tournaments will be best of three, a lot like Magic the Gathering. And it does seem to be very much focused on capturing the Magic crowd in that it's deck building as well as miniatures. So the deck building part is very important. Um, it's all about... But they sort of combined it with the Maelstrom objectives. So a lot like uh, tactical objectives in Warhammer 40k, you... You have your objectives that you like. You need to capture objective one, or you need to kill the warlord. And these mm-hmm. are the cards that you pull from your deck, and those are the cards that you build. So you build your objective deck, and when you build your sort of extra special move things, like you can charge twice this turn or whatever. And so yeah, it's it's a combination of magic and oh, well, it's not as advanced as magic, but magic and sort of a. Uh, board game it, it, it's really good and I think it's going to be very competitive it it remains to be seen I think how certainly how long my interest lasts in it because after two games we were like okay we, we know what we're doing now I, we didn't really want to play a third game just the same things but it may well be that you know when you start picking your own decks and mixing up the teams a bit then it will become more interesting um, yeah because this Friday's the first um, Shades by a tournament, so it's in Derby, it's not on Friday. Yeah, it's down the road for um, me. I, I really should go, but I, I've got to do something with the wife instead, so I won't. Ah. 
Um, but that seems quite popular. So they had 64 tickets at Blood and Glory. So they all went and they bumped it up to 100 uh, now. And I think they've kind of flying out the doors as well. And then the winner, the, the top two at the end of Friday, will play on the Twitch stream on the Saturday night, basically. So then you'll get your first kind of champion. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes from there. And yeah, as you said, the... Def- um, Definitely going to be a very popular game. Um, not sure if it's for me. I've got it, and I, I'll enjoy it, and I'll paint them up, because I do play Age of Sigma as well. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, speaking of Age of Sigma, a very brief uh, sojourn off there. Um, they put up the grand tournament dates accidentally this morning. They emailed from man saying, you can buy tickets now when you can't. But So they've leaked those dates, so I, I may well be making a little foray back into Age of Sigma early next year, just to... Uh, Get my storm, uh, Stormcast Eternals painted up. So yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to. Um, one thing I just thought of, um, hadn't discussed it with my two co-hosts, but our tale of free gamers. If anyone out there listening to a podcast wants to join in, we do have a Facebook page. So feel free to join us. Uh, get yourself a new army. Uh, is it sixty-five quid in the first month, Chris? Yeah, it's, well, I can write the rules up. We'll put them up on there on the pin post. That's the easiest yeah. way to people to think. And then we'll get um, some albums made up on the site as well. It means people can kind of keep track of their army. We can see them grow rather yeah. than lose them on the thread is probably the best way to go about it, I think. Yeah, um, so we can do that for hours to start and then everyone else can join in. So yeah, post your progress, post uh, what armies you've picked or what models you've decided to paint. And yeah, we look forward to seeing that. So I think that is us done for tonight, unless anyone has anything else. I wanted no, to complain it's... about Imperial Guard. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's just that I bought the Codex over the weekend. Um, it's quite good. It's just the whole lack of miniature options, if you give me meaning. Yeah, I know it's... exactly what you mean. I'm, I was sat there looking at them going, Valhallens um, and, and Mordian. They were released in what 1994, yeah, and they haven't had an update since. So, your only real options at the moment are by what Cadians and Cartagens, yeah. And the Cartagens, the older plastics, look they look dated now. The um, the newer command ones look great, I think they actually look really good. But, and I'm saying newer, they've been out donkey's years as well. I just think, why release a codex when you're not really releasing much to go with it? Well, I think the codex thing is because of 8th edition. They scrapped all the old ones and they wanted to release a codex for every single army. And I think a lot of armies aren't going to get anything new. Um, And then they can spend, once they've got all the codexes out the door, they can go back and release new models. I, I, I kind of understand that because they had to release a new codex for every army and they couldn't release new models for the army at, in a year. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, I get that. It's just the whole, <clears throat> you know, give us some options. <laughs> oh, yeah, to, I, uh, sorry, carry on. I, I say the part of it, you have to remember that an army takes two years to develop, so if all their time and input has been put into creating um, the new rule set, plus they're trying to crank out, was it, 10 codexes, so we've only had... Uh, seven, I think it is. We've got Tyranids coming in two weeks. That'll make eight. So technically, there's supposed to be another two before Christmas um, that we might see pop up as well. But I think from a lot of their Facebook stuff at the moment, we're going to see some guard stuff. I think back end, this time next year, 
I think we might see some extra guard kits come out. Um, just because obviously so. the, uh, I, I've just got a, a feeling that they'll be one of the first ones to kind of get redone. Really um, have you had a look at the Forge World site, Andy? For me, <laughs> well, the Death Card of Krieg. Yeah, they're beautiful. I mean, don't get me wrong; they are beautiful, but that would be a slow build army if you get the meaning. Yeah, if, if you're going to play a Horde Forge World army, then. Um, yeah, you've, you've got some money, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And I would be terrified of, well, screwing up the paint job, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I do, but your painting's very good, and just because it's Forge World doesn't mean you have to paint it to any higher standard than your normal It does. <laughs> I, I never did that. <laughs> the, more, the more expensive the model, the better the paint job it gets. <laughs> okay. Just so um, you can take it off the table in turn one. And on that note, I think we will call it a night there. So thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. We may or may not record next week. We haven't quite decided yet. We'll see if anything interesting happens. If not, we'll see you in a fortnight. So thank you again, and catch up with us on Facebook. Reanimation Protocol on the um, is an overpage, page, so give us a search. Uh, so good night for me. Thank you, guys. And from me. 